Campus 180 Radio. Funny, thoughtful, real. Hello, Radio 180 college students and early grads. It is I, Michael Mordanga, to tell you about our Discord Campus 180 Quarantine Zone. This is our awesome club where we bring everyone together who's a college student or a recent grad, and we just hang out in this virtual group. So in the Quarantine Zone, we play games, we have a gardening club, we share special topics with each other, we geek out, we hone our improv skills. There is so much you can do in our Campus 180 Quarantine Zone. So I hope you take time in your special day to look us up in, uh, because we have something for everybody there and um, all are welcome. Anyways, enjoy the show. Welcome. Good morning. Good night. Hello, Vietnam. And other greetings. <laughs> oh, man, Mike, I'm so glad that we're recording another episode of our podcast. And I know I, I feel like we say this every single time, but I, I'm excited for this topic. Yes. And if you didn't know what we're talking about, because you're not one of the five that listened to our last <laughs> episode, we're the List of Bros. And we like to bring up geeky listicles and try to uh impress each other with things in that list like last week we talked about tv shows that are good and almost wholesome (laughs) i like to think a couple of them were pretty wholesome yeah yeah chevy chase yeah uh, oh (laughs) yes well today we're gonna go even wholesomer oh yeah Uh, our top 10 cards against humanity cards that we love (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um man mike if if we had a an episode like that i think campus 180 would fire you yes i mean they've tried but that one i'd be dead to rights yeah and I, I don't blame them but you know in case you guys can't read today's episode is all about board games and you know i i really do feel like you know board games have made a resurgence in the last you know 10 15 years you know, they kind of changed from, like, you know, that thing that grandma makes you do on the weekends to, like, you know, everyone is, you know, everyone knows at least what, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is or has played Settlers of Catan or uh, Apples to Apples or, you know, God forbid, Cards Against Humanity. Yes. And, you know, for those who are hooked on video games and, you know, we we think to ourselves, man, this video game addiction is really killing my wallet. And then we go straight to board games. We're not we're not doing ourselves any favors um, because we're going from sixty dollars a pop to eighty dollars a pop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you know, some of the I I tried to you know, Mike. I didn't expect you to to also adhere to the same standards, but I tried to keep myself to board games that you could get for you know under sixty dollars 
and you could play in under two hours. You know, and that's probably the point of our show, because mm-hmm. um, when you go to those game stores, you see those humongous boxes with like 50 figurines, 80 carts, 30 tokens, right, a, whole, right. a whole currency. And in the back of your brain, you're like, this probably would be cool if I had three hours of someone just explaining it to me. Right, just handholding. And I had, I had um, five friends who were also really into this and had free Saturday nights. Exactly. And that's just not going to happen. No, it's just not. And, you know, and that's, and that's why these games are, are, are perfect for you. You can, and a lot of the, the games that I'm going to even talk about, and I, I don't know about you, Mike, but a lot of my games you can even play solo. Yes, I love the idea of solo games. Some people think, ooh, that's, that's weird. You play solo games. But at the same time, I'm like, no, it's, it's actually pretty cool because you're, you're able to keep yourself company. Exactly. And, you know, what's, you know, sometimes you just want to unplug from, you know, something virtual and, and play something analog. Mm-hmm. Now, when I play one player games, mm-hmm. like um, One Deck Dungeon, right. it tend to bend the rules a little towards me getting vic- a victory. I don't you know, know about I, you. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, uh, I I think it. Um, you know, people play video games in the same way, so why not board games? I'm just saying, when it's time for the enemy's turn to attack, sometimes they have to re-roll the dice because I don't like it. And on that note, Mike, let's get into it. Yes, but uh, first, I th- I think you have a quick list for me. Oh, yeah. I I absolutely do, um, Michael. I would love. Uh, for you to hit me with a quick list, or to hit me back, sorry, with a quick list of six things that would be great to play a board game on top of. Um, an old wooden leg. One. An old chest. Two. A pirate's map. Three. Um, a, a linoleum breakfast table. Four. Um, old Greek marble. Five. Um, floors. Six. Um, I did gravitational floor. Oh, oh th- seven. Um, and ch- an indentured servant's back. Oh, no, eight. <laughs> Wait, how many do I have to do? I said six. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we nailed it. We can't count. Yes. You know, counting has been our downfall. And it's ironic because this is a list and a list ha- lists are made to be numbered. Right. But, you know, the, the value is in the words, not the numbers. So exactly. just, just know that these lists, they go in order chronologically. So we don't have to count them. Right. Just know that they end. Right. Exactly. Oh, man, Mike. Um, I, I'm excited for this, Mike. Shall we, shall we get right into it? I think we should just get right into it. No more hiding behind a bush of stalling. We just need to... We just need to... <laughs> You know, jump right in. And with that, I'm going to make you go first. (laughs) Rolling initiative to go first. Um, Michael, uh, this is uh, my first uh, board game. It's a little bit of a cheat because I have two uh, for the price of one. But they're um, they're made by the same company and they share the same first half of the title. And um, there's actually a whole series of these games. Um, but my first game uh, that I, I would love to talk to you guys about is uh, Tiny Epic Quest and Tiny Epic Tactics. Um, there's like, like I said, there's a whole series, and what's really cool about these games is they um, they come in a really small size, as by their name, 
Um, so you're not getting the huge, um, you know, boxes full of 40 figurines. You know, you're getting, you know, a couple of dozen, um, you know, little cardboard cutouts, maybe some plastic pieces. And, you know, you're able to set up this, ador- you know, adorable boards and you play a full game and, you know, it's it's cheap, it's quick. And for every kind of theme that you want, it exists. There's uh, cowboy themed, there's zombie themed. And the two games that I'm going to be talking about, my personal favorites, um, Tiny, Tiny Epic Quest and Tiny Epic Tactics, revolve around two of my favorite things in the world, turn-based RPGs and uh, uh, RPGs in general. So the first one... Tiny Epic Quest. Um, the game uh, is revolves around you playing as um, heroes in a, a, a fairy tale world, and uh, it's a sandbox game. Uh, and you can move around uh, this map, and you can, you control a, a band of three different elf heroes questing to save the world, um, and you know saving mushroom folk, fighting goblins, collecting treasure, and um, you win by collecting. Um, each of the sacred uh, items, and uh, the game ends once you collect all those things, able to collect them by the portal, and you close it, or after you've killed every single goblin, and you win the game. And what's cool about you know, Tiny Epic Quest is that you can play by yourself, controlling um, the different uh, creatures, or the characters, or you can play with uh, up to four people. Um, the playtime on this one is super quick. It's 30 to 60 minutes. Um, it's not that complex. It's it's got a 2.6 out of five on Board Game Geek, and um, you know, in terms of its overall rating, it's got a a seven out of ten. And on a out of you know the top 1,000 or so board games in the world, its overall rank is 774. So very respectable. And you can pick this up for um, you know 17 bucks on eBay. Um, you can find it else in other places online. Um, but really, what what won me over for this game is um, its art style. It's it's themed around you know your um, your '90s RPGs. Um, it looks you know very much like Zelda, Dragon Quest, um, and it's uh, it got multiple win conditions. All the items in the world you could collect, and it really does feel like an RPG on a little tiny board. And it's they're so it's so cute. Um, and then the other, and then quickly, uh, the other one is called Tiny Epic Tactics. And whereas the first one is more of a single player experience, this one you definitely want to play with other players. Um, and the game is designed around you controlling um, your classical party of heroes, like an archer, a mage, a knight, you know, that sort of things. Mm-hmm. And you play it as um, like a turn based. RPG against each other. So you, there's a map, and you can move on the terrain, and you fight each other. So um, if you've ever wanted to prove who's the best Final Fantasy player, this is the game for you. Yes. And what I liked about that game, and I saw it at a comic book store once, mm-hmm. is it it just looks like an easy take out of the box, like Legend of Zelda love, um, like dedication. Yeah, like, it's a love letter to the genre. It's a love letter to the genre, yeah. And so... If you ever thought, like, if you ever saw those huge boxes um, with those RPG games that come with, like, like $80 worth of stuff in a, in a book that's so thick, um, this is not that game. Like, it's it's pretty much you could breeze through the instructions, though I usually like to look at a, uh, a YouTube video first. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, so I would say, you know, this would be the game just super easy to get into. Yeah, and 
Yeah, the playtime is really the big thing here. You get a lot of bang for buck. You know, it's you can finish a game in half an hour to an hour, and um, yeah, you, you just really get your your money's worth. And and like I said, there's there's so many different reskins of this game. So there's one about zombies, one about pirates, one about um, dinosaurs and mechs. So like whatever you're into, there's a version of this game available for you, and you should definitely think about picking it up. Mm-hmm. And That's for great. under twenty bucks. Yeah. Twenty bucks is a magical number for me when it comes to board games. Yeah, exactly. Definitely yeah. get it. Okay, Mike. What's well, up? What what sucks for you? Speaking of love letters <laughs> to certain things, I'd like to talk to you about a game that I should have no I you know, I I should have no business loving and enjoying. But I am like a a, a bee to honey when I see this game, just because it's it's so insanely easy, but it's so insanely easy in such a clever way that you're thinking, why hasn't anyone thought of this before? So the game, if you haven't guessed yet, is called Love Letter. Yes. And the the creator of it, um, well, actually the publisher, Alderac Entertainment Group, they created this whole universe. Um, I, I'm going to say it's like a Victorian universe um of kings and queens and royalty maybe a little bit older than victorian um but th- there's these whole these stories and about these kingdoms and they all and this love letter game is just one story within this made-up kingdom that they made um and it, it's so cool how obsessed these guys got but at the same time the game that they made around it love letter is so fun and easy to play so i'm gonna stop beating around the bush and just tell you what it is. This game is sort of like a hybrid of war, but with a lot more cleverness in it. And while most card games are all about giving you like 52 cards in a whole deck, like this game can keep the deck under 30 cards. That's all you need to play. And basically what you do is each card has a value and a rule. So if you, if you pick a card and you play a guard, the guard has to guess other cards. If you pick a priest and you play the priest, you the priest is allowed to see another player's hand. Um, there's a baron that will um, that can compare cards to see whose value is higher. There's the handmaid, um, which protects you from other people's cards. Um, basically, it all goes up to the princess. The princess is number eight. And anyone who has the princess, um, it, it, by the end of the round, wins the game. Um, but the thing about the princess is that it's also the most dangerous card because if people know you have the princess, they can actually get you knocked out of the game by making you lose the princess card. So I know that was a kind of a quick way to explain it, but think of the game War, where values are, our numbers are higher, but give each value to the card, give a special rule that people have to follow. And then you get, you get these games between four to five people where you, no game ever looks the same. Even though you're using 30 cards, every game looks different, and it every game is, like, less than 20 minutes. Um, like, it's a, such a boom, 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 but it's such a, it's such a, it's such a clever game that you don't feel like you're playing by the simplest rules in the world. Right. So, one of the cool things about this game, well, the, the, I just explained the base version. There's also a premium edition that adds like 20 other characters. I never really got into that, but you know, by the base, this is the one time where I can say, you know, the base is where it's at. 
Um, this game won a lot of family awards um, because, you know, it's so easy, so easy to teach to your kids. I did have to say that Love Letter with its uh, very, uh, you know, kings and queens style art. Um, I, I have no business getting into a game that's just filled with pictures of Victorian women. <laughs> but here I am talking about one. Um, and that's basically what it is with a, th- a few princes and kings thrown in. Um, but if you don't like Victorian women of, and kings and queens of medieval times or whatever, um, there's an Infinity Gauntlet version of Love Letter. There's a there's a Batman one, which is very rare. It's I think it's a lot more expensive than the other versions. There's um, a Star Wars one, a Munchkin one, Letters to Santa a wedding one that you have to buy through the publisher and you can only get it if you're expecting someone's wedding. Um, yeah. So there is just so many, so many versions An adventure time one. So this game has to be, it, it's, it's in the $20 range. So, and it comes with a nice like felt bag where you can put winning tokens in. Exactly. Um, yeah, Mike, I, I love this game. Uh, you know, it's rank on, bgg is you know it's 710 so that's that's really good like so when you think about all the board games in the world you know this really simple game you can get for under 20 dollars is the 710th best game in the world like it's it's incredible and you know in terms of if you want to break it down even further it's number 26 in party games and it's 138th in in family games so you know this is an incredible value for money um and definitely pick this game up if you're interested in things like games like Coup or games like Avalon or The Resistance or Secret Hitler. Um, you know, this is like a this is a very light version of a um, like a hidden trader, but you're not looking for a trader, but like a hidden role sort of game where you're trying to figure out you know who has a higher number than you um, and who who has a princess card, who doesn't, and you know. It's it's you get a lot of you get a lot of bang for your buck. You get a lot of mileage out of this game. This game is incredible. I love this game. Yeah, it's it's an amazing game. And like, it's one of those games where it's like, why didn't I think of that? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, you know, it's super it's super um, it's super simple, but it a lot of things are, are just like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's simple, but it's just so perfect. Mm-hmm. There's also an Archer version called Once You Go Blackmail dot dot dot. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, shall shall I go to my um shall I go to my next uh my next the game? The bell tolls for thee, my friend. Oh man, I'm I'm super excited for uh for this one. Uh this is a this is one of the games. So I actually keep maybe like um I I keep two games in my uh oh three games technically in my backpack at all times that I can just whip out and play. One of them is Love Letter. Um yeah. One of them is another one that I'll talk about later. And one of them is one that I'm going to talk about right now. And it's called Monopoly Deal. Mike, have you ever played Monopoly Deal? You know, the word Monopoly has been has taught us to be scared. Because we, we're, we always think we're going to lose our families um, to, to rage and hate and bitterness. So you, you have a job ahead of you to... To teach me that this game is not about that, right? Um. So, so Mike, I mean, is what what are the the biggest downfalls for Monopoly for you? Like, what are the biggest hurdles for Monopoly? Um. Well, we, no one knows how to end Monopoly, right? That's a big one. 
and it, it just goes on forever, right? You can play mm-hmm. for you know forty five minutes, or you can play for three days. Yep. Um, another one is uh, you're just in, inadvertently you're just gonna get angry at somebody else, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it it feels like every time you play Monopoly, there's you're playing with a different set of rules. Yep. And you know, and I think the last big hurdle is that I think Monopoly kind of has, and rightfully so, has a a stigma of being you know the the friendship killer game, right? Destroyer well, of families. Destroyer families. Well, Monopoly Deal is the antithesis of every single one of those points. Um, mm-hmm. So Monopoly Deal, it's best played with two to five players. It has um, its play time on the box is it says fifteen minutes, but you know it can take you know the the longest I've ever played around was like half an hour. Um, so it's quick um, and it's uh the complexity for the for the game is you know it's not very high and the reason for it is instead of you know going around on a board and buying and selling properties and stuff like that it's whittled down to the the bare essence of what monopoly is so it's a card game and you win by collecting three complete property sets um okay. and uh within the deck of cards there's action cards property cards house and hotel cards and then money cards um, money cards obviously are used to make and to buy and sell things, but unlike in Monopoly, um, it's not that big of a deal if you don't have any because you're constantly drawing and getting rid of cards. Um, hotel cards and house cards are used to increase rental property sets, uh, um, the value of the property sets uh, of the properties, and then action cards, which allow you to um, you know adjust the game in in little ways. And it 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 kind of it give, it scratches the urge that you might have to play Monopoly. But in a way that is super quick, super easy. Um, you know, there's no frills. There's no, um, you know, there's there's nothing um, extraneous about it. Um, there's nothing extra. There's nothing difficult. Um, it's it's pretty much the the boiled essence of Monopoly deal. And believe me, I was skeptical going into it. I was like, I you know I hate Monopoly. I you know I haven't played in years. Destroyed friendships. Yada yada yada. Um, but Monopoly deal. You know, it's it's my go-to kind of quick game, and it kind of fills that hole that um that uno might have or um you know if if you know the game uh rook or you know any kind of card game like that uh exploding kittens those 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 sort of games you know quick little card games that you can teach a five-year-old and um and i think that's what it is right like this is a a card game that's perfect for five-year-olds it won't leave you with hurt feelings and you're done and it's done and over with in 20 minutes you can play as many rounds as you want Mm mm-hmm I would say I would say that'd be great. I uh, that might renew my faith in in the Monopoly game. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's everything that you know board game Monopoly uh, is not. And hey, you know want to know the best thing about this game is you can get it on Amazon right now for seven ninety nine. I think that is that's enough to justify. You know, it's one of those games where you go into Walmart and you just see a bunch of them just kind of hanging. Right. And you know they're just like highly detailed printed cards, but you know that like there there could be a lot of fun behind that. So you know what you do is you just give it a shot. Like I've always wanted to try the there's a quick version, a card version of Scategories, which mm. is just all cards. And I'm like, how would how could you play that? The whole thing about Scategories is writing down on pads of paper, but I've always wanted to know what's the quick and easy way to do it. Right. Exactly. And, you know, that's what's that's what's great about, you know, Monopoly Deal. Like, it's quick, you're done in 20 minutes. 
But also, like, other things that make Monopoly tough is that, like, you know, when you lose, you're out of the game, right? You have to watch your friends keep playing. But in this game, you don't go bankrupt. You you keep playing until the round is over. Everyone's involved. Everyone's making decisions. And, you know, there's not just one jerk with a giant wad of money. Mm-hmm. All right. What, what Do you know the ranking for this game? Oh, um, yes. It's, uh, uh, I just clicked out of it, but it was, like, I think it was, like, 2,100 out of... Um, you know all the board games that ever exist so 2100 and yeah. out of 10 it's like a 6.3 but again like it's you know an eight dollar game you know and of all the board games that have ever existed you know it's in the you know it's in 2000 yeah. and it's it's so cheap it's so worth it and you know it you know it's not going to you know it's not it doesn't have the complexity of chess but you know if you need to kill half an hour 45 minutes while you're waiting at a you know, a layover at an airport, this is the game for you. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is um, I've published games on a self-publishing website. Mm-hmm. Um, and this website shows you how easy it is to make games. And you can understand that if that, like everybody has, everyone who's ever had an idea has probably tried to publish their game. So like, there's a lot of board games, like name any subject or topic or, or anything so yeah i mean pretty much like pigs um in world war ii or pig farmer there's probably a game about it or starting a wine cellar in italy there's a game about it um there's a game named viviculture yes (laughs) there's a game named uh after every country from puerto rico to istanbul um so it's impressive if your game gets in the top 2000 so Right, you know, right. these these might sound like the bottom of the barrel, but they're probably if your game is in the top 2000, you're pretty much at the top of the barrel. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I guess really we should give um, a frame of reference for uh, for like because, you know, you just kind of say stuff and it doesn't really mean anything. And um, to me, the worst board game ever created is a game called Candyland. <laughs> um, wow, but there's so much skill in it, Adam. I don't know um, why. And so, for reference, Candyland is—it's uh, got a three point two on Board Game Geek, and its overall rank is twenty thousand nine hundred and ninety-one. So, uh, so that's to give you, you know, kind of a scale for, you know, what a, uh, you know, kind of what we're talking about here. And I guess maybe like another thing to, uh, maybe we should have done this at the start of the podcast, but that's fine. But another one that a lot of people have heard of, Settlers of Catan. Uh, if you want to look at that up on bgg just to kind of see where it um it kind of falls um its uh rank is 411 um and it's got a 7.1 on bgg so you know it's you know settlers of Catan, right in that same ballpark as um you know love letter and tiny epic games so um you know just to give you kind of a reference for what we're talking about mm-hmm. and just so you know go fish is 20,983 <laughs> it's right there. It's it's really funny how brutal some of these board game geeks are about uh, you know those like traditional board games like um like Connect 4 or I'm pretty sure Tic-Tac-Toe is even on there but yeah they yep. p- people rage. Mhm. Meanwhile, games like Twilight Struggle in Puerto Rico are number 1, which games I've never played, so I'll have to just take your word for it. Well, I think currently, uh, and maybe I'll talk about this uh, in a little bit, but the the current number one board game in the world 
It's called uh, Gloomhaven. Oh and, yeah. And uh, so it's a, it's ranked first in um, a bunch of categories. It's got an eight point eight. Um, but its cost is astronomical. You can get it on Amazon for $107. So, hey, yeah. you know, if you want, you know, Gloomhaven Life Light, uh, you know, give Tiny Epic Tactics a, tra- a chance or Tiny Epic RPG. You really should. Okay, uh, shall I go on to uh, my, my next board game? Uh, if by you, you mean me, then yes. Oh, did I just go? Oh, no. oh you... I did Monopoly Deal. Sorry. Yes. See, Monopoly, even talking about it, makes it feel like hours have passed. Exactly. Yes. So I'm going to talk about a game that's very unfair to talk about because it's actually impossible to get. In fact, if you go on Amazon, I think you can get one with all German instructions. Um, And that was the biggest complaint about it, is that it has all German instructions, but it promises that it's in American, uh, or English, as we like to call it. but this is this game come is a niche type game that are, are called dexterity games, where the rules actually change based on your ability to throw something into a specific area. Or it's kind of like darts, uh, mm. but with rules. <laughs> and, I mean, darts has rules. I mean, yes, but these are even rulier rules. Oh, yes, way more rules than the normal rules that you're that have ruled over you. Right, right, right. Yes. So this is called Dungeon Fighter, and it's kind of it's kind of like a cartoony knockoff or a parody of every trope of you know mages, barbarians, and archers in a dungeon trying to find gold and glory and um, the heart of a princess. Um, but the, what comes in this game is it's all based on how you throw the dice. So the battlefield is actually this large target. Um, that you build out of four pieces. And you take your characters, who all have like these special abilities that are based on throwing, and you go into your party, and every time you go into a room, you get into a new fight. And how you fight is you take a die, and you throw it at the target, and where that die lands on the target is how much damage you do. Now, it sounds easy, but there is... Uh, there, there's definitely a trick and a tactic to it. You're going to get into fights where you do a whole round of fighting and no one has even hit the bad guy. And then there's, and then there's times in this game where you throw it so perfectly that you do a, like a one-hit kill because you got like a, the enemy dead, dead to rights on the target. Um, the cool thing about this game is it's, it's not just chucking dice at a target. So far as it is, you can you can get armor and equipment. Um, and this armor and equipment controls how you do different dice. Like maybe you pick up a card that lets you do a double bounce roll on the dice. Or maybe you get a special sword where you have to do a spin and throw the dice and it does double the damage. Um, and the bad guys that you actually fight, they come with difficulties as well. So you might fight like a, you know, a Medusa character who's, uh, you know, she, she, you have to close your eyes when you throw the die. So everyone comes with these weird, weirdo rules, but, it, you know, it's it's all based on, you don't have to worry about the math behind an RPG or worry about, like, all the stats. All you have to worry about is throwing your die on the target to cast some damage on the character. Uh, cool thing about this game is you can play it with just yourself or you can do it uh, as a party. Um, I'm looking at Board Game Geek. Um, it's it's 1,069, which I actually thought 
that's pretty generous for a game that's so obscure. It was um, it was very popular around 2011, and now it's impossible to find unless you get one on eBay. Um, I, I love the drawings because the drawings are are absolutely silly, um, but they're meant to represent like famous tropes and in fantasy worlds, like griffins and monsters and all that all that fun stuff. So if if you're trying to find a, a spin-off to all those RPG games where, you know, you have to move characters and do fights and, and roll dice, like, this is definitely the game for you. Um, I, I can't stress enough that, like, this is like a breath of fresh air to anyone who's wanted you to sit down and, you know, explain to you for an hour how to, how to roll the exact number of dice to do a critical hit. And I'm sure this game will probably take you a lot less um, to beat because it's only like four. There's only four levels to this dungeon, and they're very, very easy to get into. Absolutely. And I, I, so I haven't personally played this game, uh, but I love dexterity games. Uh, I love kind of inverting the uh, your expectations, right? Like when mm-hmm. someone says, "Hey, you're gonna play a board game," you're like, "Oh." I'm going to sit for, like, the next two hours, and I'm going to hold, you know, these cards in my hand, and we're going to talk about, you know, stocks or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, dexterity games are all about the action, man. and um, But not, you know, action in the ways that, you know, nerds aren't uncomfortable with. So, like, you know, there's no punching, there's no kicking, there's no catching of balls. But, you know, but there is, you know, small moments of dexterity that, you know, don't take a lot of, you know necessarily talent or skill um and yeah this is one of the the perfect examples of you know one of those games yep and if you go on ebay to try and get it this is the unfair part is the expansions are super duper cheap like 30 bucks a pop but the base game on ebay is 175 dollars so um i would say just try try to find the game um and make your own version all you need is a few cardboard boxes and some dice. Exactly. And, you know, I, I can't plug this enough. Yes, it's it's sometimes it's nice and it's convenient to, to get stuff online. But check your lo- local board game shop. Check your local hobby store. And, um, you know, if push comes to shove, a lot of uh, you can get a lot of really good quality board games at your local thrift shop. Amen. Amen, indeed. Well, uh, shall we uh, toss it on over to uh, my next pick? Mm-hmm. So um, my next one is the the third in the trilogy of the games that I keep on hand at all times. The first being Monopoly Deal, the second being Love Letter, and the third being this game called Stabateur. Um, Mike, have you ever wanted to be a dwarf and hunt for gold? I mean, you must have been reading my dream journal. Cause... Well, have you ever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, have you ever been worried that within your a dwarf mining gang that there's one traitor among you trying to steal the gold for himself. I mean, I think that just comes with the elf territory. Uh, if mm-hmm. so, then this game is the perfect game for you. Um, it's ranked uh, 1,124 on on BGG. You can pick this up for super cheap on Amazon for 10 bucks. Um, you can get it. I, I got it even a little cheaper at um, my local board game shop. Uh, and so how the game works is everyone, uh, it's a hit and roll game, kind of like the some of the other games that we talked about, um, and everyone plays as a dwarf. However, uh, depending on the size of your group, because this 
game can accommodate between uh, three and ten players. Um, but uh, a certain percentage of the group playing will be the saboteurs. And how you play the game is everyone has um, a hand of cards, and some of those have actions on them, some of them have a path on them, and uh, the path cards, you use. You take turns sequentially playing the, the path cards um, to try to lay out a path to um, one of three treasure cards. And you oh. can uh, disable or interrupt or change the game in little ways with the action cards. Um, so say you want to stop someone digging, well, break their pickaxe, and you can do that with a, an action card. And uh, all, the, all the while, you guys are trying to work together to figure out you know who the traitor is, who's the um, who's on your team, and uh, this game is so much fun. Um, it, you know, it's it's pretty, it's simple to pick up. Its its directions are literally one sheet of paper. Um, it's you finish it in half an hour, and um, yeah. It, so if you love those like hidden roll sort of games, this is one that you can get through really really fast. It's really easy to explain, and um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. And there's even you know house ruled variants that I I play. Um, so in how we play it is, uh, you have your regular dwarfs and then you have your saboteur and the saboteur wins only when, um, everyone is not able to get to the gold by the end of the round. Um, but then we play the red dwarf variant, which is kind of like a lone wolf sort of situation. So they want to, they want to work together with everyone, but they want to be the only ones to get to the, they want to be the ones to get to the gold first. So there's even an added layer of, um, of complexity so you know this game is the perfect combination of almost like coup or love letter with uh werewolf and it's it's so much fun yeah i i like those games where you have to you have to like unravel clues but at the same time you know it seems like a game where you have to you have to like keep something secret but at the same time you have to win the game like it has a it has a dual purpose right and you know what? What it boils down to is that you have to be able to work with everybody, but everyone you're working with isn't necessarily working with you. And you know that's kind of like the the distilled essence of the game. Yes. And how can someone buy this? For how much? Um, you can pick it up on Amazon uh, for nine bucks, or uh, you can get it for cheaper at your your local board game store. Mm-hmm. Not mine. Mine is overpriced, but <laughs> yours is probably good, Adam. Yeah, and and like I said, uh, always be checking, you know, your your local um, charity shop, your local, um, you know, your your Salvation Armies or your Savers or whatever. You know, they they sometimes they have gold. Yep, and sometimes when you buy their version of Operation, someone didn't understand how Operation works, so they just put a bunch of knickknacks in a bag <laughs> to go with Operation, including like several rubber bands. Um, a poker chip and some paper clips thinking, oh, this went with Operation, right? But they were wrong. Exactly. And that's or, why it was $5. Right, exactly. Or you could be like my cousin who picked up a, a game called uh, uh, Star Wars Epic Duels at a local charity shop for $8. And the game with all its pieces is worth over $200 because it's oh, rare and out of print. That's the kind of guy I am. Exactly. So one one lucky person. I just wanted to give away because a lot of my board games sometimes collect dust, especially the more complicated ones. So I had um like a dungeon crawler, but in the type of firefly. Oh, that's cool. 
and yeah, it was cool, and it had stealth, and it was it was all this fun stuff. But it took thirty minutes to set up, and I'm like, no, no one, nothing is worth this, especially because I have one friend come over a year, so you know it's I need the right. <laughs> it's usually you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm. But you know, I gave it away. I gave it away to uh, Selvo or Goodwill, and good some lucky guy got a sixty dollar game, probably for five bucks. Exactly. Definitely. 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 Check out your local stores. They got the deals. Speaking of deals, I think it's my turn. I can never remember. Your turn. Your yes. Turn. Uh, Sushi Go yes. is my next game, and. You've probably seen this game maybe hanging out in a gas station or hanging off of a rack in Walmart, and you probably thought, you know, this is probably a great kid's game. Maybe this is, you know, a great game of matching. Maybe you're just teaching kids colors. Um, But I'm saying that there's more to Sushi Go than meets the eye. Uh, Sushi Go is published by a company called Game Right, and Game Right is notorious for making these very uh, addicting and uh, very easy to pick up games. I think they've won many awards for their their hard work. Um, and basically, a Sushi Go is very similar in its play style to a little game called Seven Wonders. Um, you know that play style where you get a deck of you get a you get a suit of cards, and then you have to pass it to the person to the left. Thing. And you know it's it's such a it's such a weird way to play games because we're all accustomed to keeping just one one suit of hands and then um, just keeping it. And But it, Sushi Go is very similar. You'll get a bunch of different cards and they'll have one. Some will have sashimi on it. Some will have um, the actual, you know, sushi rolls on it. Um, some will have dumplings. Some will have those Japanese flan cakes. And they're all these cute little characters with eyes that are saying, you know, that sound like they probably have high-pitched voices if they were to talk. Um, and the object of the game is to uh, pick a card that you think is going to have a high value and then pass it to the left. And as as decks are being passed to you, you want to grab as many um, doubles of that card or you want many sets or runs of another card um, because you're going to get scored at the end of the round. So... If I'm given like a if I'm given a hand and it's got like three dumplings in it and the rule is for every three dumplings you get um you get like six points that's going to be my aim for round 1 is to see how many cards I can get that have dumplings on it as they pass over to me. Now your players if they're thinking the same thing to collect dumplings then you're screwed because they might get all the good dumpling cards. Or if they don't, maybe they pick the sushi cards, where the more sushis you get, it becomes a multiplier of points. <laughs> uh, there's different tactics to getting points, and it's all based on the fact is if you're going to go with a tactic, um, you're you're taking a gamble that no one else is picking that tactic, and that right. you're actually going to score lots of points with it. So you play three rounds with Sushi Go, and it's all about just collecting and matching up different sushi and hoping that you your tactic got you more points than everybody else and yeah no this game is this game is great in a, a parting a party setting mm-hmm. um and like you were you were saying like they're they're all so cute they're also adorably drawn and mm-hmm. um you know it's 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 easy to teach it's easy to pick up and play but there's really um 
there's depth to it, right? So I, I think it's mm-hmm. kind of classified in the uh, the drafting slash push your luck sort of game, right? So like, yeah, you're you're gambling on um you know on the strategies of your other friends. So there's a lot of kind of like in poker where you got to read your opponent's strategy and and mm-hmm. draft what you think is best for you and uh, the points that you can get. Yeah, and I'm so surprised that this isn't like in a Vegas. Like a game like Sushi Go hasn't they haven't made a Vegas table for it because could you imagine just a bunch of high rollers um, and you're the guy bluffing that you're not going to take the sashimi um, and then at the end you you have like twelve points because you have twelve matching sashimi and you're like (laughs) the guy across from you is like angry. I would love the scenario where Sushi Go replaces Texas Hold'em. We can dream one day, Mike. We can dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Mike. I, th- yeah, this game is great, and um, yeah, and I, I think that's of the of all the things that we're talking about and saying uh, with this podcast is that um, simple games are sometimes the best, and um, and you know, games don't have to have a an instruction manual of forty pages to be good. In fact, I prefer that they don't. Exactly. Um, Mike, shall I go on to the, my next one? Yep, and by the way, this is another game you can pick up for nine dollars. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's a party edition which adds even more cards, which I've never learned how to play with those versions. But um, if they're anything like the other ones, they should be just as good. Exactly. Um, okay, so Mike, uh, my my last two um, my last two board games that we're going to be talking about, um, I I've taken a, a step up a little bit in um, complexity and in price, but you know that's you know, sometimes people want something with a little meat on the bones, and I want to be... life. You know, yeah, exactly. And I, I want it to be... You know, I want to include everybody in uh, our, our game's uh, mm-hmm. talk. And the game I'm talking about right now, it's got quite a title. It's called Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a, a 7.3 on BGG, if that matters to you. Its rank overall is 581. Um... It, it can accommodate two to seven players. Um, it's got a runtime of 45 to 60 minutes, and you can pick it up on uh, Amazon or other places for uh, $35. Um, you know, so it's it's a little bit more expensive, but you're getting, you know, some more cardboard pieces. You're getting, um, you know, some meeples um, of these wonderful castles. So, you know, you're getting your, you're getting your money's worth. And um, this game is... Um, a little complicated to kind of explain uh, without the pieces in front of you, but the gist of it is this. Um, you're drafting uh, these uh, cards, they're tiles, 147 room tiles, and based on how you draft, kind of like what we were talking about just now with Sushi Go, you're building a castle. Um, but it, that would be too easy if you were just solo building it by yourself. You're building the castle with your neighbor. So if you're playing in a four-player game, you build a castle with your neighbor to your left, and you're building a castle with your neighbor to your right. Um, and you guys have to work together to draft and to build this castle to get the most amount of points. And there are different ways to kind of combo together uh, the tiles. There's runs, there's like different kind of room styles, and there's different ways to score points. For example, like a, if you have a tower, um, only certain pieces can go into the tile and into that row. And you can only build straight up. And when you cap it, it's worth, you know, a multiplier of points. Or, oh, if you want to build into um, 
a dungeon or into a basement, you can do so, but uh, only certain cards can be subterranean and so on and so forth. Um, and you might be wondering to yourself, Adam, how uh, how are you able to win this game if you're working with the another person? So here's how it goes. Um, the the winning uh, takes two tiers. First, it's um, in order to be eligible to win, uh, you must be part of a pair that has the most amount of points. Um, so you definitely want to focus on you know effectively building uh, one castle to get the most amount of points. However, the deciding factor between the two remaining people is the score of your other castle. Um, so you want to work with another person to build a strong castle, but then you also got to keep your eye on the other one. So you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket because really the end game scoring comes from your second castle. So this game is great because it's really quick. Um, you know, it, it goes by really fast and you get to, it's very Sims-like, right? You get to name your castle, you get to build individual rooms and fill it with people. And, uh, you know, it's cooperative, but it, there's also, there's a lot of strategy to it. Because, you know, you, you want one castle, you want your castles to do well, but you gotta, you gotta make sure that maybe, hey, this castle that I'm sharing with a partner, his other castle is worth more points than my other castles. Maybe I want to start tanking on the castle that we share and start buffing the other one. So there's a lot of depths of strategy and it's it's a great party game to play with um, many, a lot of people. And uh, it's really unique because there's not a whole lot of, you know, board games with similar strategies or similar um, themes. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to kind of picture it unless you have it right in front of you um, but once you see it it's very easy to pick up and it's a lot of fun yeah it, it kind of the way you explained it made me think of carcassonne yes which i'm glad none of us picked that game because you know that's so vanilla it is pretty vanilla yeah the between uh the two castles of mad kid ludwig it's very i would say it's almost like a combination of carcassonne yahtzee and um, Sushi Go that we just talked about, right? So there's the drafting of these tiles, um, and then there's point scoring based on, you know, kind of like what you have uh, of the sets, kind of like with Sushi Go. Um, but then also kind of like in Yahtzee, like you want to be able to get like three of a kind, or you want to get a small straight or big straight. And similarly, like you oh like, oh, hey, you know, there's a, you know, you can get quests in the game, for example. You'd be like, oh, I, I need to get four sleeping quarters in my castle, and I'll get extra points this way. So that sort of stuff. Yes. And how how much did you say this game would go for? So it's a it's a little bit more expensive than the other games that we talked about. It'll set you back $35 on Amazon. Um but you're also, you know, you're getting you're getting um a lot of stuff for it, right? So you're getting 147 nice quality room tiles with beautiful art on them, um 83 bonus tiles, um cards, 20 individual cards seven custom wooden castle tokens and um a whole sheet a bunch of sheets of score pads and um yeah it's you know you're, it's quality like you you get what you pay for excellent is that your is that your finale or that are you done with that one yes i'm done with that one and then um, i have one more of this yes so i'm gonna go into a game that um i love the art style mm-hmm. but um this is actually a type of game done by Cryptozoic Entertainment. Um, and Cryptozoic makes a lot of different games, but they kind of, they vary. Um, and it goes under the genre of deck building games. So when I was a child, 
um, and you wanted to play a deck building game, you went to the gas station and you bought Marvel Versus, or you bought you bought the Overpower cards, and you would you would just have to keep buying these packs for like two bucks or three bucks a piece, and you know pray that you wouldn't get any um, you wouldn't get any you know copies, and then also groan when you got some of the weakest and lamest cards, um, and. But now, now someone has had mercy on us, and they've invented a genre called de- or like deck building, where every card you need comes in one box, and you don't have to worry about stale gum coming with the cards at all. And so I present to you the DC deck building game called Heroes Unite. Yes. Um, what I love about these deck building games is it's all about powering up your character by using different cards. And um, it's not it's not so much about fighting and hitting and doing combat and, you know, navigating. It's it's all about it's almost like it's a game where you're given a set of superhero cards and superhero moves. And you have to use these cards to buy different superhero victories. So in this particular game, you're you're either playing as Shazam, Batgirl, Nightwing, Hawkman, uh, Booster Gold. Um, yeah, you, a gr- lot of great B characters, and you know each character is allowed to do these. You're allowed to play these punch and kick cards, yeah. and if you collect like four punch cards, you can buy um, like a Doctor Savannah card. Um, you that means you've you've punched Doctor Savannah four times in the face, and you've won him over, and you get to add him to your deck. You get to build your deck as it is. And so the next time you play, you get to use the Dr. Savannah card with your punches and your kicks uh, to buy even bigger cards. So maybe you buy the Lex Luthor. And each card comes with a rule, like, um, you know, the people playing against you can't do this because you're doing this, or you get extra stats and feats because you're doing this. So you you kind of feel like you're leveling up. Um, Meanwhile, um, if if you don't play smart... Then you have to take damage cards, or and you know damage cards play against you. Um, the the whole point of the game is to use your punches and kicks to get victory over other cards, and to use those cards to get even more victory over more cards. Um, and each cards at the end of the game come with a point value. Um, so meanwhile, while you're punching bad guys with your cards, and then recruiting those bad guys to punch other bad guys. You're you're gaining a score, but you also feel like you're this super cool crime fighter because you just you just beat up you know Scarecrow or Doctor Freeze or I think it's Mister Freeze, but you know any one of those um, you are you just feel like you're you're leveling up with each turn and I, you know I love those types of games because they give you so much freedom to you know select who you're going to beat up who you're going to get victory how you're empowering yourself with each turn. So, you know, it's a really cool game. It's a little bit, um, you know, it's a little bit, uh, I'm going to say, complex because you have to know what each card does. And that involves you, like, reading the small print. Oh, you know, every time I do this, this guy can't do that. And this guy can't do this. But this guy can do that to me. Oh, and, you know, you just keep doing that over and over and over with different rules. Um, What's cool about this is the Cryptozoic of course, they made a Marvel version, which is insanely popular. Um, I'm a DC fan myself, so I'm going to go that way. But there's also a Cartoon Network one, 
where you can have characters like Dexter's Laboratory, uh, the Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, and that just seems pretty awesome as well. So yeah, yeah, we love games that can be reskinned into other uh, mm-hmm. um, into other rooms because you know everyone wants to be able to feel like. Hey, if you want to be Batman, you can be Batman. If you want to be Iron Man, go be Iron Man. If you want to be, I don't know what the Cartoon Network equivalent is, but go be him. Yes, of course. Of course. And so this game is going to set you back 40 clams. Well, that's pretty um, cheap. Yeah, but, you know, it, this game feels like a video game. I think out of everything on my list, the closest thing to feel like um, a, a video game that is... Uh, you know, a love letter to the actual comic book lore. This is going to be it. So you're you're only going to buy this if you want to feel like you're in you're part of the DC universe and be playing a fun game with friends. Um, Mike, I got some I got some great news. Um, so clams, uh, you can get fifty for fifteen dollars. So that's <laughs> thirty cents a clam. So you can get your very own. Board, DC board game for um, let's see the math um, uh, for twelve dollars. That's amazing! And if you find this game for twelve dollars, it's good. Get it, get um, it. You, then you can sell it on Amazon uh, for four for a lot, for a lot yeah. more than forty clams. Um, yes. But yeah, no, I, and and that's one of the things that I love about board games, right? They they can transport you to. You know, a world that um, you know you you might not live in currently. You're able to let your imagination go wild, and you know you don't have to wear blue light glasses for it. Nope. Okay, Mike. Shall I jump into my last one? Yes. Jump away, friend. Mike, of of all the games that I've talked about today, this one is probably my favorite. It's it's currently in my top ten favorite board games of all time, and it's probably the game that I most want to be able to play with you. And it's a game oh. called Forgotten Waters. Um, it's currently got an 8.1 on BGG. It has uh, an overall rank of 365. Um, you can play um, the boxes 3 to 7, but you can play 1 to 7. Um, and this is the longest game uh, of the games I talked about. It has 120 to 240 minutes. Of runtime and it's a little bit more complex with a, a 2.13 out of 5 but um you know enough of the uh you know the the rankings the boring stuff what you want to know is what this game is about now michael do you enjoy pirates i mean who doesn't mike do you like role play games um yes as long as i can beat them mike do you like mad libs uh absolutely every answer is poop for me Mike, do you love radio dramas and radio plays? Absolutely. Forgotten Waters is the combination of all of those things that I just said. I don't want to believe you, but then why would you be saying this, Adam? Tell me more. That's what I'm saying. So, Michael, um, Forgotten Waters is a pirate um, roleplay exploration fantasy game. Um, and the game starts... Um, by you picking your pirate. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of pirates that you can be. Each of them are usually uh, themed around um, a certain um, character trait. Um, you can be um, a chef pirate, or you can be a safety-centered pirate. You can be uh, an explosive-obsessed ex- pirate. 
And um, each of these pirates has um, a, f- a Mad Lib that you fill in, um, and it, it becomes your backstory. And uh, as you play through the game, you, you can collect these um, stars by um, achieving uh, a certain uh, level in your, in your training. So as you play the game, you can say, make a choice to go fishing, and that'll increase your, your hunting stat. And then if you level up certain uh, your stats to a certain level, you get stars, and then you put these stars in your constellation track. And that kind of progresses your character's story. Um, and you can have a good, a bad, and an, uh, an excellent, uh, the top tier ending, based on how many of these stars you make. So that's what the kind of the individual kind of Dungeons and Dragons RPG kind of felt comes into play. Um, but this all takes place while you're all um, part of a pirate crew, and uh, you're playing through a choose-your-own-adventure story. Um, so each of you are a, a pirate crew, and at the start of the ma- uh, the game, you'll um, you know pick a scenario and um, you'll play through it. And how it works is um, there's a big book, and you'll flip open to a, a page, and you have a series of choices that you can each individually make, and each person will take turns picking what they want to do, and you'll progress the story uh, along finding uh, like a like kind of like this RPG ending. Um, there's a there's a bunch of um, a bunch of different scenarios. Uh, one of the scenarios that I just recently played is you, your pirate crew is hired by a group of zoologists who want you to, who want you to help them capture three legendary beasts. So you sail around this map and um, you try to find these legendary creatures on on individual islands, and you you make choices and decisions all while um, this game is run by an app on your phone or your laptop, and it features incredible voice acting. Uh, incredible visuals, and um, it plays music and sound effects, and it's like you're playing in a, a radio play, essentially, but you have this uh, visual medium, this physical medium in front of you, dictating the choices that you make, and what makes it incredible is that there's so many little things that just make it so funny. There's pop culture references, there's, um, you know, little, sub- some great subversive humor, um, and it's, it's just, it's just a good time. And, you know, if you, this game is perfect for anyone that kind of wants to break into the world of Dungeons and Dragons or, um, you know, tabletop RPGs, but you're a little too scared and you don't want to put in as much effort, you know, of being a dungeon master or whatever. So the, you know, this game has, it's an RPG in a box. It, it's got music, it's got, you know, comedy, incredible voice acting. Um, and it's, it's so much fun. Um, and it, like, I've never played this game and not, like, burst into tears from crying two or three times just because of a scenario. Like, for example, um, one of my favorite characters I made, um, was a chef pirate and his name was Patches, Patches O'Malley, or no, no, what was it? Oh, it was, oh, something. I think it was O'Malley. And, um, his ending, his good ending was that he opened up his own pirate-themed restaurant. And, you know, we were able to defeat the scenario and get enough treasure, and he was able to retire comfortably. So, you know, this this game is this game is wonderful. It's super funny. Um, like, one time my brother was playing with us, and he um, got murdered by a, um, a doppelganger that took over his role on the ship. And uh, because he took over, he... He like had to play the rest of the game with a you know a freakish smile on his face, and he had to talk in a monotone voice. 
and so like the game you know the game messes with you and it breaks the fourth wall like that it's 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 so much fun yes i love games like the what you just explained is like a cross between the game curses and um and uh, dungeons and dragons and choose your own adventures yeah which sounds incredibly like there's just i don't know is it sounds like a big mac inside of a whopper covered sounds, in fries right and it sounds too good to be true but mm-hmm. um it's it's really it's great and there's so much depth to the game too that i didn't even get into like you you know you you have to be responsible for keeping your crew happy and um making sure you have enough water or you have enough food and provisions you can also dig and bury treasure and yeah there's just so much that you can do in this game and um and you can pick it up for the low low price of 59.95 or 69 dollars on ebay um it's you know it's it's so much fun um and yeah this is like my go-to game for people that you know are interested or are a little hesitant to play other tabletop rpgs um and you know it's it, it's generally just a good time mm-hmm. wow so you definitely saved the best for last i definitely saved the best for last this is like i said this is one of my top 10 favorite games of all time mm-hmm. you know and it's it's very much so it you know the game forgotten water or that's that's what i just talked about um yes. the forgotten waters no the um the pirate video game um what's it called where you role play as pirates it's very similar i forgot what it's called monkey um, island right well monkey island uh is kind of similar and it's kind of like offbeat humor but i i was thinking of sea of thieves oh yes it's very similar in its kind of tone and its humor and it's kind of color palette and you know that kind of like goofy slash rpg seriousness and like mm-hmm. depth of play but like also you can just mess around with your friends oh absolutely so that sounds like a great game yeah we should just play it right now we'll yes. stop the podcast and go play it yeah i'm sure there's a podcast where you can just listen to people play games absolutely yeah so this next game is actually very meaningful um and it's it's meaningful to my family because it actually helped teach my son english but it's also um so backstory there i should probably tell you that i have a foster son from guatemala um who came over and he didn't know english and we played this game with him a lot and he learned a lot of english through it and so it's got some special value to me but also this game i love it because it is so deceptive um you think at first it's a children's game and you think it's a children's game that's just it's just about matching colors or numbers. Um, but it's so much more than that. And I have to give so much credit to Game Right for making a game called Dragonwood. Um, yes. Dragonwood is like a fantasy land um, for kids. And what happens is you're given a bunch of multicolored cards with numbers on them. And based on your matching the you can match the color (laughs) you can match the number or you can do like a six seven eight run of the cards um and based on what you choose whether you match color or number or do a run you are choosing to use your sword to use your boot or to use your scream so um basically what happens is you're given a list of enemies and they say okay if you want to defeat this goblin you can scream at it um, or you can use your sword, or you can kick it, 
And those are the ways to beat it. So each person has to put down um, their matching colors or they have to put down their their run or their matching numbers um, to decide how they're going to hit these 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 monsters. Now, different monsters um, take different kinds of damage, and that's where the dice come into play. So if I wanted to defeat like a goblin and let's say screaming at the goblin is a lot easier because you you only need a four while kicking the goblin you need a six um that's the route you would want to go so you would you would hope that you have the right kind of cards to kick the goblin and then you would roll the dice to get a six and then you would successfully have kicked the goblin or screamed at it or hit it with your sword and then you get the that goblin card as a trophy right um now i just made that sound incredibly complex but once you're playing this game it's not just about matching colors. It's about strategizing whether you want to, um, how you want to attack these enemies in very cute ways, or you can strategize how you want to collect because the other cards are actually um, item cards. Like you can collect a unicorn, but first you have to defeat it, and then the unicorn gives you special powers. Um, and it's all about just using your cards in a wise manner to collect as many trophies as you can. Um, and what what I loved about this game is that I thought that it was going to be like too kiddish. It's going to be like really dumb, but it's actually a really hard and um, hard in the fact that you need a strategy. Um, and it, there's just so much like tactics you can use to play this game. Like, for example, do I want to go for the high cards and try to capture the dragon or do I want to win all the small trophies? Uh, do I want to worry about getting magical items that'll help me, or do I just want to go straight for the enemies? Um, if I use my six, seven, eight now for this, um, will I have wasted a turn um, when there's new enemies on the board? So there's just so much strategy on this, and you, you're going to walk into this game being like, "This is totally for kids." But then after, you're going to be like, "Wow, I came up with eight different strategies to win," and but somehow my son is still schooling me because. He plays a very risk-taking way of playing this game. Anywho, this game has won so many awards. Uh, Parents Choice Silver Honor, a Mensa Select, Ooh. an Oppenheim Toy Portfolio Platinum Award, Ooh. a Major Fun Award, a National Parenting Publication Silver. So this game, we got this based on the fact that Amazon like loved it and gave it such high reviews. And so we said, hey, why not? Let's just give it a try. And we did, and it was so surprisingly good. So <laughs> while your game, Adam, involves storytelling, a radio, six apps, a Mad Libs, and a book, this game is super simple, but not in a way that um, you can't get whooped by your kids because they're just way smarter than you. Absolutely. And, yeah, no, the, the game is, I've played it a couple times, and it's, you know, it, it's, you know the the epitome of simplicity, but with depth of strategy. Um, oh yes. And you know you're never going to win this game uh, with the same strategy twice in a row. You always got to be changing it up. And there's a lot of like you know split second decisions um, that you can mess up because you're too busy laughing. Right. Or you're too busy trying to make uh, a matching card work. Uh, the worst thing is is when you try to go big. And you try to capture a dragon, and you have the perfect cards for it, but you have the crappiest dice roll. Right. And then your son tries it, and he gets it. And then you're like, uh, 
that's not fair. I'm the head of the household. Um, Give me that. Yeah. <laughs> I deserve that more than you. Exactly. And, yeah. So, yeah, Dragonwood is super cheap, super accessible, and just it's one of those games that you can just pick up and play, and you don't feel like it's wasting any time or it's dragging you down at all. Exactly. And yeah, Mike, I, of all the, the games that we've we've talked about today, I, I would say that that one is, yeah, that one is, you know, the easiest maybe to, to pick up and play, um, mm-hmm. but it's going to, it's a well that just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got 4,000 reviews, five-star reviews yeah, it's, <laughs> on Amazon. It's a quality, yeah, it's a quality yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mike. Well, man, this is, you know, I this is a long time coming for me personally, Mike. I, I love board games. I collect board games. And, you know, I, I, I love talking about it. And, um, yeah, I'm excited that we finally got to do it on a podcast. Yeah. And I have more board games than friends. And I think that just goes without saying that uh, I am so overdue for a game night. Um, are you one of the people who have unused games in your house that you just you bought them and you're just waiting for someone to have an open game night? Because that's me right now. Like I'm, yeah, I I have some games that are sitting around waiting to be played. Um, but I'm also some of those freak, one of those freaks that like buys board games to just look at. Like I have this X Men board game that I have zero intention of ever playing, but it's super <laughs> retro looking and it's got these really cool like computer figurines of you know wolverine and cyclops and you know i never want to play the game i just want to look at it because it's pretty yeah you know i want to get into that temptation or no i don't want to get into that temptation because that is a yeah, that's it's a 60 dollar hobby my friend yeah it's a real slippery slope man yes well anyways i hope someone is just thinking oh i i have a shopping list now for my family game night because that's what we were hoping. We were hoping to spend your money, but in a good way that you would never regret. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's, you know, the biggest difference, in my opinion, um, between, you know, board games and video games. Like, yeah, sure, video games are, you know, some video games are, are multiplayer and you can play online with people. But there's just something about, you know, getting together with some friends, sitting down and playing a game together, face to face. And, you know, you're experiencing a moment together. And, um, yeah, that's one of the reasons I just love board games so much. And, um, yeah, and I hope that the love kind of came through with this episode. Yeah, I have won more friends through board games than through conversation. And that either sounds very pitiful or that sounds amazing. But I'll take it. I'll take it because it works. Exactly, exactly. Anyways, uh, this has been another successful geeky episode talking about one of the major food groups of geekdom. Yes. Movies, video games, board games, comic books, probably. Um, Anyways, uh, I hope you like it. And if you like what you hear and you made it this far in the podcast, please go on to our Discord, Campus 180 Quarantine Zone, Campus 180 is one word, 80. Um, quarantine zone. We talk about things like this. We have fun. It's a big party. And we're just waiting for you. Um, anyways, I've been Mike. I've been Adam. And thank you for joining us. We love you. We love you.